It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Concerning the economically unstable times that we live in, it is a great idea to convert some of your savings into real money. Now, there is a big difference between real money and what we call money, which is actually just currency. So our dollar is currency, which fluctuates. Real money, on the other hand, like silver, for example, is a store of value over time. The best way to think of it is like this. If you had saved $1,000 in cash back in the late 60s, the late 1960s, that $1,000 would still be $1,000 technically, but it would buy you significantly less today due to inflation. Now, if you had saved that same $1,000 in silver, back in the 1960s. Today, it would be worth around $28,000. So one of the best ways to protect your purchasing power is in real money, more specifically, silver. You can buy and have the metal shipped discreetly to your door, and what most people don't know is that you can actually convert your IRA or even a 401k into physical silver, rather than having all of your life savings tied up in the paper fiat system which is subject to hyperinflation. Go to dailyrenegade.com and click on the Cornerstone Asset Metals banner. This is the only company that I personally trust with this kind of thing. Click on that and sign up to get your free silver report today. One of the financial experts will speak with you to find out the best way to protect your savings going forward in these uncertain times. Hello, everybody. Welcome to JPD Weekly. Today, I wanted to do something a little different, and I wanted to look at five headlines that are in the news today. These all have have to do with the Bible, supernaturalism, a whole bunch of really interesting things, but it also shows the times that we are living in. If we are not in the end times, we are certainly close. Uh, so, And I also want to say that all of these articles, uh, if you want to go and read the whole thing, they are linked at skywatchtv.com. Uh, so if you want to check those out, skywatchtv.com. All right, so first of all, shortly ago, I directed a movie called Ragnarok. And... The topic of asteroids has been big in the news lately. I apologize for the pauses there. I had to get my computer situated. But um, th this topic keeps coming up in the news. This one is from uh, Israel365news.com. And the headline says, Look to the heavens for asteroids set to fly by on Yom Kippur. Four asteroids. Kind of reminds you of the four horsemen. Uh, there's a quote here from Joel 3. 
Uh, verse 3, before the great and terrible day of Hashem comes, I will set portents in the sky and on the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. Adding to that, if you read through Revelation, you see that all over the place. There's all sorts of cosmic signs and disturbances. The sixth seal is, is one example of that. My apologies again. Uh, apparently somebody is trying to... Your Apple ID is being used to sign in on a new device uh, somewhere in Springfield. It's probably somebody that I work with, but I don't know who, and I don't know what the device is, and I'm trying to allow it, but it brings up a number, and then nobody's texting me, asking me for a number, so I don't, I don't know what to do. That might just come up from time to time. I'm just gonna, hopefully that'll stop. Okay, anyway, um, but we see these cosmic disturbances in relation to the great and terrible day of the Lord. We recognize that, well, some, there's some debate. Some say the day of the Lord uh, is the full seven-year period. Some say it's the last half of the tribulation period, the three and a half years. Some say it's literally the final day before Jesus returns. But in any, in any event, it's around that time. So uh, we talked quite a bit about that on the, in the movie Ragnarok, which if you would like that movie, head on over to skywatchtvstore.com. You, uh, you can find it there. But uh, the, the article reads, uh, As Jews around the world look to the heavens on Yom Kippur, four asteroids will fly by unseen, and the remains of another asteroid will drift past strange so the asteroids are and of course because scientists always have the catchiest names <laughs> uh these are the names of these these asteroids uh 2022 sm21 that's one name and 2022 so11 uh and then there's 2018 vg and 2022 sj28 just rolls right off the tongue but it says that uh the asteroids 2022 SM21 and 2022 SO11 will pass by the Earth on Tuesday night, the beginning of the Yom Kippur holiday. Uh, now that's that's really interesting because God says in Genesis that He set signs in the heavens, and that's that's for us. It's interesting that this happens to be on a feast day. And now that we live in such an age with all the technological progress and everything that we have, we can see a lot more of the heavens. We can see a lot more signs in the heavens because of that. So this might be something to pay attention to. 2018 VG and 2022 SJ28 will make their passes the following day. So that would be Wednesday. SM21, estimated to be between 9 and 20 meters in width, is expected to pass at a distance of 1.86 million kilometers while traveling at the speed of 5,000, no, 54,252 kilometers per hour. SO11 is the size of a house, and that'll pass within 1.1 million kilometers of the planet, of our planet. And 2018 is the size of a bus that will pass within 7 million kilometers of Earth. And the last one, SJ28, which is 18 meters wide, will pass within 5.7 million kilometers of the Earth. Uh, now, the article goes on to say that it's interesting to note that on September 26th, the holiday of uh, Rosh Hashanah, NASA carried out its double asteroid redirect test, or DART, mission. The DART mission used what's called the kinetic impactor technique, which involves using a solar-powered electric propulsion system to smash the spacecraft into the asteroid 
in the hopes of deflecting it in a different trajectory, steering it away from the Earth's orbital path. So they actually did perform this, and, you know, there was a lot of celebration around it. You guys have probably already heard about this this test. They're testing to see if they could fire a rocket or something into an asteroid to knock it off course just in case it happened to fly by Earth. Now, we all know the book of Revelation, uh, specifically Revelation 8, that I believe the first four trumpets are all the same event. I believe that this is an asteroid impact. When you go through, you can actually see the chain events happening. Uh, so you get you get debris in the sky, you get something that lands uh, in the ocean, you get something that lands on the land and the rivers, the waters, uh, poisons them. And then you get the uh, sun, moon and stars, a third of them are darkened because everything's being kicked up uh, from this from this massive impact. So I can actually see those four trumpets as all being a chain reaction of the same event. So we know that that's in Revelation, and I'm, I'm definitely going to believe in the prophecies of the Bible far more than uh, the, the hubris of certain scientists. But l like they do, there was, a, there was a big celebration about it. They were really happy that they were able to actually, actually perform this, this test uh, to completion. And I don't know if they managed to actually knock it off course or not. I don't even know if they know that yet. Um, it's possible, but... Either way, even if they did, we know that when this Wormwood prophecy, uh, which Ragnarok is all about that, so again, skywatchtvstore.com, but when the Ragnarok prophecy is fulfilled, nobody's able to do anything to stop it. So even if they manage to deflect an asteroid, that, that's no guarantee that they're going to be able to do that in the future, and we are actually guaranteed that at least one time in the future they're not able to. Um, it also says after a 10 month journey, the NASA craft, so this is how, this is how it worked. Uh, they, they took this, NASA took this craft and smashed it into dimorphos, uh, 170 meter across asteroid orbiting another slightly larger asteroid named Didymos. Now that's interesting that there's this, the, these two asteroids that are one orbiting another in Ragnarok. Tom Horn actually suggested that possibly the the asteroid the the reason that you know it, it hits that the reason that wormwood hits the water and hits the land possibly it's something like this they're they're by orbiting there's two of them orbiting each other uh, another possibility is it could be one big giant asteroid and then it breaks apart in our atmosphere but it's interesting they took a binary system like this this asteroid binary system for this test i wonder if that's a shadow of something to come it said the impact generated a plume 10,000 kilometers long that is still visible to astronomers uh there's a quote here from uh, rabbi yosef berger who's the rabbi of king david's tomb on mount zion he says quote the asteroids by themselves are not alarming or even shocking but they come in the context of a rather alarming year. Until a few years ago, troubles were localized. Wars were between two countries. Every person in the world was touched by the disease that shall not be named. <laughs> he didn't say that, he actually named it. But if I do that, YouTube might take this down. Uh, he, his quote continues, For the first time in 80 years, war threatens to engulf the world, and there are threats of nuclear weapons. We are beginning the year after the Shemitah, sabbatical year. The sages tell us that this is when the son of David comes. The Talmud states that wars increase in the year after Shemitah. 
end quote. So that's really interesting. And we've been hearing for a while out of Israel that they, they for years, actually, there, there's reports like this that come out all the time over the past few years. They're looking for a Messiah. They're, they seem primed and ready to accept one. Now, of course, we know if that happens, the Messiah that they're going to accept isn't going to be Jesus, at least not yet, not at first. It'll be the Antichrist. Uh, then later a remnant will, will accept Jesus. Um, now, to, to explain what he was talking about, Rabbi Berger uh, referred to the solar eclipse that transversed the continental United States in August of 2017. Now, that was actually the first in 99 years. Uh, before the eclipse took place, Rabbi Berger cited a prophecy in a text called the Yalkut Moshe, or Collection of Moses, uh, written by Rabbi Moshe ben Yisrael Benjamin in Safed in 1894. The eclipse took place precisely at the beginning of the Hebrew month Elul. The prophecy stated that when a solar eclipse occurs at the beginning of the month of Elul, quote, kings of the east will suffer great loss, end quote. Uh, the Yalkut Moshe also stated that the solar eclipse uh, pre presaged uh, great storms as well. Um, now, when a lunar eclipse took place in 2019, Rabbi Berger found a reference in the Yalkut Moshe uh, making a similar predict prediction. Quote, when the moon is eclipsed in Tammuz, a king of Luzai, or secular nations, will die suddenly and a great confusion will follow leading to great problems, end quote. Uh, now, Rabbi Berger says, quote, the Queen of England passed recently, marking the beginning of the process predicted by the Yalkut Moshi. The events may seem disparate and disconnected to us, but they are not. When a father wants to change his son's behavior, he begins with warnings and gradually shows him that there are implications to bad behavior. The father will make the warnings gradually louder and more intense. A few small asteroids are nothing to be concerned about, but coming on Yom Kippur, after such as we experience, and after so many other omens, we should certainly pay attention. Just as a father gives many small hints before punishing his son, so too God is sending us many small hints. On Yom Kippur, the heavens are open to our prayers and our shuva or repentance. Now is the time to pray like never before, end quote. And I, I would actually say we Christians should take that similar charge, but th these are obviously just Jewish, you know, Jewish people talking. They haven't accepted Jesus as our Messiah. What I believe that we should pray, pray for is the salvation of Israel. Uh, pray that people get saved in Jesus' name. Pray that these people come to repentance and they can actually see uh, the real true prophecies. Now, I'm not saying that um, any of these prophecies that are, are being discussed here are real or not real, uh, but they are based on Jewish texts and obviously so is our Bible. So it's at least something that's interesting and we should, uh, we should keep an eye on. There might be something, there might be something here. Transhumanism is in the news again, the dominant ideology of the fourth industrial revolution. And this is something we need to pay attention to because this is another possible sign of the end times. This one comes from technocracy.news. And again, all of these articles are linked at skywatchtv.com. Um, now, this is, this is rather long, so I'm not going to read the entire thing, but uh, 
but it, it is a good read. I, I suggest you check it out. Um, Patrick Wood, which actually we should probably get him on the show sometime, but Patrick Wood, uh, I believe wrote this. Um, I'll go through some things in his introduction. He, he says, quote, in this volume dedicated to transhumanism, it is important to slip in, however, furtively, a few words from political science. In essence, political science is the study of power relations and how they are justified and contested. Viewed from this perspective, transhumanism takes on a crucial significance. In fact, transhumanist thought is all about transcending our natural human condition by embracing cutting-edge technologies. Now, that's the key there. Um, I'm going to break off from the article. This is just now me talking. But that's the key there. That's what tra transhumanism wants to do. It, it says, you know, we don't need Jesus to save us. We can save ourselves through our technology. That sounds really similar to the article we just looked at with the asteroids. We don't need God to save us. We don't need to repent. If, there, if an asteroid comes, we'll just fire a rocket at it, you know? Uh, we, we don't need to repent. If, if death is coming, we'll just uh, implant some microchips in our genes or something, and, and it'll all work out. Now, of course, again, this is the hubris of humanity. This is, this is prideful humanity. This is stuff that is not real, but is certainly comforting for those who don't have Jesus to think about that this stuff is actually possible. So that is the bedrock of transhumanism. It's mankind using technology to not only avoid death, but to evolve past humanity, to become H plus or, or more than human. Uh, so the article goes on, quote, the movement has already passed through various stages of development after first emerging in the early 1980s, although transhumanist as an adjective, was deployed as early as 1966 by the Iranian-American futurist uh, for, oh, I'm going to butcher this name, Faridown M, I got the M, I got the middle initial right at least, Esfandieri, Esfandieri. Uh, then a lecturer at the New School of Social Research in New York and in works by Abraham Maslow, okay, that one wasn't too bad, uh, toward a psychology of being 1968. And Robert Edinger, Man into Superman, 1972. However, it was S. conversations with the artist Nancy Clark, John Spencer of the Space Tourist Tourism Society, and later the British philosopher Max Moore, born Max O'Connor, in Southern California that prompted the first attempts to unify these ideas into a coherent whole. Um, Esfandieri's renown had grown rapidly since he changed his legal name, becoming the enigmatic FM2030, while, while Clark decided she would henceforth be known by the alias Natasha Vita Moore, and went on to pen the transhumanist, art, uh, transhumanist arts statement in 1982. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll break off there, but you know, it's not only that, that's, uh, gives us some good origins on it, but it's not only that this also has kind of bled into the political arena. Um, so later on in the article, it says, uh, by, uh, quote, by this point, transhumanism has grown into a fairly coherent and substantiated doctrine because it is actually been around for a long time. Um, continuing on, not satisfied with explaining the present transhumanists are eager to promote and explicit and detailed program for societal change. Transhumanism now has all the characteristics of a genuine political ideology, and therefore, 
is a legitimate target for ideological criticism. As one of the, quote, legends which pose claims to authority by giving social domination the appearance of legitimacy, while playing an important role in the defense stabilization and improvement of all those advantages which are ultimately hitched to the standing of ruling groups, end quote. Um, this ha- there is actually a transhumanist party. Uh, Zoltan Istvan, uh, uh, probably one of the most famous or infamous, depending how you how, how, what your opinion of him is, um, transhumanist out there. He ran under the in the transhumanist party for president. Obviously, he didn't go anywhere, but uh, but that's that's just now. He's he's still as far as I know, he's still running for political office and has has been since that time. But there is a political party called the transhumanist political party. Um, I ex- even though it seems small now, we shouldn't make the mistake of of thinking, oh well, that's just silly. That's some dumb underground thing. There's like a hundred people in it. Who cares? Because that's exactly what people thought in the '60s about New Age, and now we are in a place where the church. Uh, it's something like eighty percent of Christians have some form of New Age belief, and many of them don't even know it's New Age. They think it's biblical. So. We shouldn't we shouldn't scoff at it just because it seems like it's a small movement now, and it it is actually growing. There's a, a much larger group of uh, biohackers. Uh, the, these are people that will they'll they'll set up labs in their garage and they'll try to mess with their own genetics and stuff, or or put chips into their hands and stuff like that. They they do it on their own and it's unregulated. So uh, pr- pretty horrifying. And these are the times that we live in. But again, it's it's mankind trying to achieve the impossible for himself rather than submitting to God. Because if you want salvation through Jesus, you submit to Jesus, and uh, prideful human beings uh, don't want to do that. We, we, we want to live for ourselves. Uh, the, the, this is interesting. The article continues, Transhumanist thought can be broken down into three main premises, each with an eminently political interest. I'll go through these. One, Human beings in their natural state are obsolete and ought to be enhanced by technology, which then becomes a mean of artificially extending the hominization process. Thus, transhumanism sweeps human taxonomy into the political arena. An observation by Michael Foucault, written in 1976, comes to mind, quote, What might be called a society's threshold of modernity has been reached when the life of the species is wagered on its own political strategies. Modern man is an animal whose politics places his existence as living be- as a living being in question, end quote. In other words, transhumanists believe we have a duty to replace the category of human with a new creature, a post-sapiens sapiens. We would potentially find ourselves, in zoological terms, at a moment of speciation, an extreme situation when a new species peels off and steps forward to join the animal kingdom. Now, that that right there is, obviously, there's a whole bunch of anti-God stuff in there, but that right there is one of the tactics of the enemy. Satan wants us to think that we're basically animals, right? Because we're, we're kind of in between angels and animals, but on Earth... We're supposed to be in charge of the animals. You know, we're supposed to be taking care of them. Uh, we're supposed to be subduing the earth. We're the one. We're the guys in charge. Satan hates that um, because angels are ministering angels, and presumably Satan did not want to uh, 
didn't want to serve a, a, a created being like like human beings. That, now that's not directly expressed in uh, the Bible, but some commentators have have gone in that direction and thought maybe that was the problem. Maybe that's what filled Satan's heart with pride as he didn't want to be a ministering angel to human beings because they were created after him. Uh, and, and he thought that it was, it was beneath him to do that. Well, because Satan wants the earth, he's got to get rid of us. And the way, one of the way that he does that to subvert our authority over the earth is to convince us that we are just animals. And so then Satan himself can become the new man, uh, which presumably would be through the Antichrist, um, Mark of the Beast, all, all of that kind of stuff. So this is a, this is a, a precursor to all of that, I believe. And we're starting to see it now. Number two, these are the, the ideological thoughts of, of transhumanism. Uh, number two, the goal is full hybridization between the post-human being and the machine, something that goes far beyond the human-machine interface we know today, from interacting with cell phones and computers, for example. The mind-boggling image of a human-machine hybrid suggests a permanent integration frequently talked up by one of transhumanism's most prominent ideologists, Ray Kurzweil. Kurzweil believes that human beings should become an intrinsic part of the machine, that we should be reprogrammable like software. This is the logical outcome of the post-war cybernetic movement's machinist fetishism epitomized by Norbert Weiner and a circle of other mathematicians and philosophers. It proposes nothing less than full submission to, tech, uh, to technical rationality, our human subjectivity suppressed. From this point on, technology, viewed as the new agent of hominization, paradoxically becomes the main instrument of dehumanization. Transhumanist machinism turns out to be fundamentally anti-humanist, not least because the machine is, by definition, inhuman. Speaking of inhuman, if you want more information on this, go to skywatchtvstore.com and pick up the movie, Inhuman. Um, it, it has a bunch of information about transhumanism and where we are today and why, why this is happening, what we can do about it, and all that. I, I want to I propose a scenario. Because a lot of these transhumanists today, they say that they're for freedom. They're, full for, they're, they're fully for freedom. They're for free choice, all of that stuff. All right, well, if they get their way, you're, you're going to have people who, are, who look totally human, but their genetics are altered in some way. They're, they're altered in, in some way where they don't even consider themselves human anymore, yet they'll still probably look human, at least in the beginning. Now, imagine, imagine if, a, if a woman, you know, wants wants to have a family let's say it's a christian woman wants to have a family uh and wants fully human children doesn't want any messed up genetics doesn't want anything like that just fully human well one of the protections and we're already seeing this today but one of the protections of the transhumanist is that they won't have to tell you that they're a transhumanist and, and we're seeing this stuff today because there's places like in california if somebody has aids they don't have to tell their sexual partner that they have AIDS, thereby infecting them. Or, or at least that is being pushed. That has happened before. Uh, that kind of thing is being pushed, pushed because they're trying to say it's a, uh, a, a privacy issue or something. Well, we're going to see that probably in the transhumanist community too. So talk about stripping away people's freedom of choice. 
that keeps happening generation after generation, there are no more humans. It's the extinction of the human race. Now, doesn't that sound like Genesis 6? Doesn't that sound exactly like what the fallen angels were trying to do? Uh, corrupt humankind so that the Messiah could not be born through, because uh, the Messiah would have to come through a pure bloodline, purely human, um, for, for Jesus to represent us as human beings, you know, in the image of God and all that, Jesus had to be human. Um, well, it just seems like a, a, another version of that. If transhumanists get their way and if they get their, their, their privacy in, intact, if they're able to keep that intact, if they don't have to tell people that they're not exactly human anymore, that they're, they're an altered version or something, and they don't have to tell their human partners, that takes away people who want to remain purely human or at least have their kids remain purely human. human. That takes away their choice which is pretty totalitarian if you think about it, because they're, they're, they're kind of being tricked into their own extinction. And that would result eventually in the extinction of the human race. So I don't see anything really good or awesome about that. I mean, but the way that transhumanists will talk about it today, they'll say, no, 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 no. You, you, you have full, if you want to stay human, you can stay human. Nobody's forcing anybody to do anything. But isn't that so, isn't that so sneaky? They wouldn't have to force it. Now, we know eventually it will be forced with the mark of the beast if that does turn out to be some kind of microchip or some kind of gene-altering thing in the vein of transhumanism. Uh, we know that it will eventually be forced. But the scary thing is that they would be able to accomplish this and it wouldn't have to be forced. They could do it sneaky. They could do it by, by protection of privacy and then just allowing people to, allowing transhumanists to go breed with regular humans. And then all of a sudden we got Genesis 6 2.0. Um, so it's something to keep an eye on. Number three, and then we'll move on to the next story. Uh, this would have us transcend not only our humanity, but also what we might call the basic ideological matrix that underlies many other authorities, liberalism, socialism, conservatism, etc., namely humanism, which brings together all our ways of understanding ourselves as human beings at the center of the world and at the top of the species pyramid. While humanists believe that individuals can achieve moral growth through education and culture, the humanization of man, Transhumanist ideology proffers an altogether new set of values, insisting on the necessity of transitioning to a post-human species capable of continuous self-enhancement by integrating new technological components. In a sense, technology obviates the need for moral, educational, or cultural efforts. So that would be the, the death of morality and religion. Um, and, and, you know, go, kind of just say, saying a little bit more to what I said earlier, even if transhumanists stayed with transhumanists and humans stayed with humans. Well, now we got a class system. Now we have altered carbon, basically, if you've, if you've seen that show. Uh, and so either way, either way, lose, lose, you know, transhumanists might think that they're winning, winning, but you can't defeat death forever. Let's say you're able to live a thousand years. You're still just prolonging the inevitable. Even if they were able to delay death up until the time of the end of the universe, I mean, eventually, and this is from their worldview. This is not my worldview. I have a supernatural worldview. I have a biblical worldview. But they have a, 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 this naturalistic kind of worldview where they believe, you know, there's going to be a heat death of the universe and it's going to expand, you know, uh, until eventually it ends because entropy. Eventually, even particles aren't stable anymore. So you can't make anything out of anything. So even if that is a billion years off, 
you're still just delaying death. You still have to die someday. You still will be face to face with God. And as a transhumanist, if, if I were a transhumanist, I, I, I would find that very terrifying. So uh, I, I would just have a call to action for everybody out there. If you're involved in this or if, uh, if you know somebody who is, get out of it, pray for that person, introduce them to Jesus, accept Jesus, uh, and you can have your eternal life just immediately. And, and you, don't, you don't have to mess around with this stuff. Moving on, a, a temple and a red heifer sacrifice. Uh, this has been in the news lately. Um, this comes from signpostsofthetimes.ca. Uh, they start off, We came across three news articles this week regarding Israel that were of interest, given that the Bible told us that these things would happen at the time of the end. The first article makes the case that the third temple can be built right now. Plans are in place, the temple instruments have been fashioned and crafted, and even the priests that would conduct sacrifices are trained and at the ready. All that is needed is permission to begin, a no small thing, as the Palestinians and Islamic world would go to war before ever allowing such a thing to occur. However, Bible prophecy tells us there will be a third temple during the tribulation. The only way this could happen is that the construction would likely be part of a peace agreement, Daniel 9, 27, which allows Israel and the Jews to finally construct a temple on the Temple Mount. Uh, Revelation 11, 1 through 2 says, I was given a reed like a measuring rod and was told, Go and measure the temple of God and the altar with its worshipers. But exclude the outer court. Do not measure it because it has been given to the Gentiles. They will trample on the holy city for 42 months. Uh, now, keep in mind, John's writing this after the, the temple had been destroyed in Israel. So he's not thinking that this is like the temple that would have existed in his time. This is a future temple. Um, and this is, this is likely, this is the, the third temple. You know, there's actually a fourth temple in the Bible too, at the end of Ezekiel. That's after Jesus returns and we're in the millennium at that point. And, uh, now, now the world is under what God calls the law of the temple. So we're under the law of Christ right now. Uh, 2,000 years ago, uh, you know, a li little bit more, but I Israel was under the law of Torah, the, the Torah. And it seems like for at least seven years, um, the, the, the nation of Israel is going to go back to the to, to Torah law. Now, this has nothing to do with salvation. Um, salvation has always, just read through the book of Hebrews, salvation has always been done the same way. It's faith in the Messiah. Um, even Abraham, you know, he had a faith in the promise of, of Genesis 3, and a Abraham's faith was counted to him as righteousness. So it's not works, it's not doing sacrifices, but God uh, had, a, had a specific relationship with Israel that required those things for atonement and, and things like that. Um, continuing on, it says, um, the second article reports that a red heifer sacrifice could take place within the next year. Any such future sacrifice would be necessary to consecrate all things temple-wise. This is, this is why uh, the red heifer sacrifice is so important, because they need this for the temple. And, um, it, it, well, it says here, the temple itself and everything in it, way back in the days of ancient Israel, God commanded the Israelites to do just that, perform a sacrifice using a perfect red heifer. Uh, here we are several thousand years later, and once again, the red heifer sacrifice will soon be made. 
Uh, and we get that from Numbers 19, verse 2, which says, This is a requirement of the law that the Lord has commanded. Tell the Israelites to bring you a red heifer without defect or blemish, and that has never been under a yoke. Numbers 19, verse 2. Um, then it goes on to say, The final article reports on the growing number of Jews that now call Israel home. Some 7 million now reside in the Holy Land, and that number grows each day, month and year, as God draws back his people from the four corners of the earth, just as he said he would in the last days. Jeremiah 16, 14 through 15, this comes from the ESV, says, Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it shall no longer be said as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he has driven them. For I will bring them back to their own land that I gave to their fathers. Isn't it amazing that that is happening today? And from a book written thousands of years ago. Uh, and that, that is, again, Jeremiah 16, 14 through 15. So, the, the article says, these articles tell us that we're close to the end as we approach the return of Jesus Christ. God's prepping, the, uh, prepping Israel for the final seven years where he will make where he will deal with his people and ultimately bring them to their knees of repentance. Uh, Zechariah 12.10 And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced. They will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. I, I just want to note, it's really interesting. You find this throughout the Bible. Uh, you get little hints of the Trinity. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child. This is all in the same sentence, but you see this a lot. Um, you know, the, the Lord rained down, Sodom, rained down fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord in heaven. Uh, you, you see this kind of double, triple thing a lot. There, there's little hints of the Trinity all over the place uh, throughout the Bible. And, and it's interesting because ancient Jews actually didn't know what to do with that. There was a lot of ancient commentary ancient Jewish commentary, uh, that they, they really didn't know how to, how to do that. And they thought maybe it's an angel, maybe it's, you know, Michael, they had, they had some, some kind of out there ideas. Uh, but it seems like the Essenes, at least ancient contemporaries of the Pharisees and Sadducees, they understood the concept of the Trinity. So the red heifer sacrifice is something we'll have to keep our eyes on. There have been uh, new reports about it. There's it's been all over the news. Um, I think Israel has gained like, I think five, uh, red heifers from texas now i believe for the actual ritual they need they need the red heifer to be born in israel but they can use these uh these red heifers that they got from texas they can use those to breed and it doesn't take that long i think it's only a couple of years before um before a child you know red heifer would be ready so time's getting short we'll just have to keep our eyes on it and see Another reminder, all of these articles that we're looking at today are linked at skywatchtv.com. So make sure you check that out, skywatchtv.com. Um, I, I think for these next two, we're going to go to members only. So if you are not a member yet, please head on over to Daily Renegade. Dot com and get a membership. It is only $10 a month or $100 a year. And if you could do the $100 a year, do that. You actually get two months for free that way. Also, we are using the proceeds to try to uh, build an app 
build a better website. I know some people on some browsers have had some issues uh, with the website. All the reason is because we have so much content, the the server literally can't like can't handle it. So uh, we have a company that is willing to redesign our website. They can make a phone app and a TV app, all of the stuff we've been wanting to do for years, but it costs a ton of money. So, uh, and it, it's money that I just don't have. So uh, we, we want to get people signed up. We're going to use uh, those proceeds for that. Also, if you want to donate, you can, you can donate uh, on the, on the website as well. There's, um, there's a donation that says it's specifically for Nathan, but if you, if you want, um, and for those who aren't familiar, uh, if you're, if you're brand new to the channel, my son, Nathan, years ago, he was diagnosed with leukemia and went through a several year battle with cancer. He's in remission now. Uh, he's eight years old and, um, he's, he's, he's doing pretty good. So, uh, but his, his, his health regimen is totally different than the rest of the family. Um, extremely expensive because we were using all natural remedies and all natural like supplements and things like that. And obviously none of that's covered by insurance. So we do have a donation um, link available for Nathan. Uh, you can click on that. If you want to donate for Daily Renegade and just for getting the, the, the apps and everything, just leave us a note that that's where you want it, want the donation to go to and we'll make sure that that, that, that happens. Um, so yeah, we got a couple more stories uh, to look at. You're definitely going to want to check this out because on, on the other side of the break, uh, warships were swarmed by at least 100 otherworldly UFOs. And so we, we got to talk about that because that's huge. And then there's this dangerous deconstruction movement that's targeting Christians to abandon their faith. So we're, we're, we're going to have to talk about that too. We'll do all that on the other, on the other side. If, uh, if you're watching this on the website, if you're a member, just hang on the line. You don't have to do anything. It'll roll right over into the uh, second part. If you're viewing this on YouTube or anywhere else, please, again, consider getting a membership. You can even get a free week trial to try it out, see if you like it. Um, now, when you do log in, it's gonna it, it's gonna look like it's not doing anything for a minute. Just let it sit. It will eventually bring you in. It's just loading up all the videos, and, it, and it's only on some browsers. Uh, certain people uh, have this issue. Not everybody, but if that happens, website's not broken. It's just slow. So we want to we want to be able to fix that for you guys. All right, everyone viewing for uh, free on YouTube or Rumble or elsewhere. Thank you so much. And until next time, take care and God bless. Uh, I do want to just initially say thank you to everybody who has supported us through Nathan's journey. Um, for those who aren't familiar, maybe you're just joining for the first time. For the past few years, my son has, uh, my very young son, he's eight now, but he's been dealing with cancer and remission, and now he's in... Um, um, he, he's seeing a holistic health practitioner to cleanse his body from all the damage that the chemo did, which is actually really, really extensive. So, uh, the thing about that is it's not covered by insurance, of course, because it's real medicine and insurance doesn't have a stake in that apparently, but, uh, so we have to pay that out of pocket. Um, so we want to thank everybody who has helped support us. Uh, not not only through prayer and just general love and encouragement, but also financially. It's been a huge help. Um, for those, if you want to know how you can help, if you want to help Nathan, um, best way to do it is uh, just look in the links in the description below. I believe there should be a PayPal address there. Christina posted something on my wall about all this. Uh, and I'll just read it because it gives all the information on how to donate if you want. But she wrote, Josh and I are so thankful for everyone over the years who has been there 
for us regarding Nathan. He is alive today because of all your generous support. Nathan now goes in for a holistic, completely natural, and clean detox every week to undo the leftover damage done by the years of chemotherapy on the long road of recovery, which, as you can imagine, is very costly. Real, holistic, all-natural medicine tends to be. Insurance, of course, doesn't cover any of this, but like we tell Nathan, we refuse to put a price on his health. Nathan is getting better every day and loves his new natural health regimen. If you feel led to help us with Nathan's detox, we would be extremely grateful. The best way is either through PayPal or Cash App, and we also have a P.O. Box listed below, and of course, we value everyone's prayers. Thank you so much for helping keep our little guy around. Nathan loves you all. And then the PayPal link is paypal.me slash Josh Peck Disclosure. All one word. J-O-S-H-P-E-C-K-D-I-S-C-L-O-S-U-R-E. Uh, and then the cash app is the dollar sign Josh Scott Peck. All one word. J-O-S-H-S-C-O-T-T-P-E-C-K. And then our P.O. Box is Josh and Christina Peck. P.O. Box 396 Crane, Missouri 656. Three, three. Uh, the easiest way is through PayPal, but um, I just wanted to get that out of the way first, and I wanted to thank everybody who has helped and uh, who's kept us in prayer um, and uh, who's been able to help financially as well. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.